ESPN Radio. additional layer of interest to this event. Look, it's been said for years that Tiger doesn't move the needle. He is the needle. We're going places that have never been gone before. There's a guy who almost had to have his leg amputated, and, and now all of a sudden he's going to go out there and try and win the Masters. Now everything is focused on how do I get myself into a position where I'm on that back nine on Sunday with a chance. What would be the most improbable win I could ever imagine? Tiger Woods down in Augusta preparing to play in the Masters, teeing off on Thursday morning. Is this the biggest comeback in sports history? That's what we want you to weigh in on in the Candy Call-In line, 888-ESPN, that's 888-729-3776. Amber Wilson and Chris Candy, this is ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up on Twitter at AmberW790 and at ChrisCandy99. Before we go back down to Augusta, we got to go out to the call-in line and bring on Jesse in Kansas. Jesse, you're on ESPN Radio. What up? Hey, Chris and Amber. How you guys doing? Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. What you got for us? I just got – so check this out. A little, a little words of encouragement for the Giants in their quarterback situation. So they acquired Tyrod Taylor. And hear me out. Every team that Tyrod Taylor has gone to has ended up finding their franchise quarterback. Started with the Ravens. Now they got Lamar Jackson. Then he went to uh, to the Bills, right? Now they got Josh Allen. Then he went to the Browns, and now they got Deshaun Watson. Then he went to the Chargers. They got Justin Herbert. He went to the Texans. They got Davis Mills. He might turn out. You never know, but they'll find somebody. Now he's on the Giants. So we might turn Daniel Jones into that guy. Well, they might find somebody next year, but Tyrod Taylor is their secret. The that's magic how, of that's Tyrod how, that Taylor. That sounds good, Jesse, but Tyrod Taylor was not on the Baltimore Ravens when they drafted Lamar Jackson. If you remember, he was the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Rounds, and they got Baker Mayfield with the first overall pick. Now, it seemed like it worked out for Cleveland until it didn't, and they just traded for Deshaun Watson. So I don't know if Tyrod Taylor is the secret sauce, but I'll say this, if Daniel Jones can't clear the bar that is Tyrod Taylor that was bought in to compete with him for the job, then I don't think that Daniel Jones is a starting quarterback in the National Football League. Correct me if I'm wrong, Amber. Well, and I don't think Jesse's point apparently was that Tyrod Taylor is going to be the franchise quarterback, but I guess he has a theory that if Tyrod Taylor stands anywhere near your franchise, that eventually you're going to get your franchise quarterback. That is an interesting working theory. That is a very hopeful Giants fan uh, beyond all hope that I have ever heard. I think the reality is that Daniel Jones gets this season and then that's a wrap. They don't exercise a fifth-year option. And then, hey, maybe Jesse's theory will hold up and they'll move on and they'll find a franchise quarterback after that and then we'll look like uh, we'll look silly, right? Because Jesse will be like, see, you told you. <laughs> I guess the point would be, Amber, if your franchise is, is desperate enough to bring in Tyrod Taylor, then you're probably going to be a little more persistent when it comes to trying to find your franchise quarterback. I guess – that would that would basically define the state of affairs. I hate to throw shade at my former teammate Tyrod because he's a great guy in the locker room, but he's not necessarily the guy that you want under center leading your team 
at the quarterback spot. I don't know if I'm you can walk saying. that back after saying if you're desperate enough to bring in Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> I don't know on the back end if you can soften that blow, Chris Candy, by saying I'm just I'm saying, Amber, that's, that's where we're at. That's where Tyrod is at in his career. He's in his 30s. What do you want me to say? He's a journeyman quarterback. Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor is in the same ilk of Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you got that guy, you know you're going to get competent quarterback play, but you're always going to be looking to upgrade. And that's all I'm saying. If you're bringing in Tyrod Taylor, you're admitting that you're not necessarily sold on the guy that's the incumbent. That's the only thing I'm saying. You're probably going to have a little more urgency about trying to find your future franchise quarterback. But I'm not going to let the New York Giants hijacked this conversation because, Amber, this is about Tiger Woods. And when he made the announcement that he's preparing as if he's going to play and tee off on Thursday morning, when that came out earlier today, the golf world, the sports world was set ablaze because everybody's excited about what version of Tiger Woods we're going to see, but we're just excited that we're actually going to have a chance to see him on the golf course. And you brought up this point earlier in the show the crowd that was following him and Freddie Couples and Justin Thomas when they played their practice round yesterday, we got a chance to see some snippets of that, and it looked like a Sunday crowd that was following the guys at the top of the leaderboard. That's how impressive the enthusiasm from the fans from the golf world was down at Augusta National in watching Tiger Woods participate in his practice round. And I've got to say that this is an overwhelming win for golf and for the sports world to have Tiger Woods now continue to be a part of the landscape following that horrific accident that took place 14 months ago. Michael Eves was on with us earlier, live from Augusta, and he said that it was historic. And he wasn't talking about Tiger Woods making a comeback here, or even how Tiger Woods is playing. He was talking about the crowd caring that much about practice for the Masters. That's the kind of draw that Tiger Woods is, because like Chris Canty just said, it was a Masters Sunday out there for practice this week just to watch Tiger Woods hit golf balls when it didn't count at all. That's remarkable, but that's how much Tiger Woods still means to golf. And we keep trying to move on from Tiger I think in golf because there are a lot of young fun stars in, in golf like the Jordan Spieth of the world and the Bryson DeChambeau's of the world and there are guys who's trying to who move on from Tiger Amber who's trying to well, move well, on I think from Tiger I think generally the idea is with golf that there has to be life after Tiger because he can't play forever and frankly we didn't ever think he'd be playing again so uh, there's got to be something that draws beyond Tiger and I do think that there are young fun sport it, fun stars in that sport in fact I think it's the Tiger Woods effect I think Tiger Woods encouraged an entire generation of athletes to play golf and because of that there's a whole lot of really young really good golfers out there that now he has to compete with so the Tiger Woods effect is kind of coming back to make things much harder for him as he still tries to compete at this level but what's really going to make this harder on Tiger is the fact that 14 months ago we were talking about this man maybe never being able to walk again and now we're talking about not just whether he'll make the cut at the Masters but whether he'll be out there this weekend or whether he'll be out there on Sunday actually competing and frankly Chris I'm not sure any of it matters all that matters is that he gets out there for those first two days for those first two rounds and that he's at all competitive, any semblance of competitive. I don't even care if he makes the cut. This is a historic comeback story. Amber, I don't even care if he finishes a round. Just the fact that Tiger Woods is being able to go out there and do what he loves, to me, that has to be the win. But let's hear from Tiger's perspective on what a successful weekend would look like for him down at Augusta National. Well, I love competing. 
and I, I feel like if I can still compete at the highest level, I'm going to. And if I feel like I can still win, I'm going to play. But if I feel like I can't, then you won't see me out here. Uh, you, you guys know me, know me better than that. And as Dee asked earlier, I don't show up to an event unless I think I can win it. So um, that's the attitude I've had. And um, there'll be a day when it won't happen. And I'll know when that is. Um, but physically, the challenge this week is I don't have to worry about the, the ball striking or the, the game of golf. It's actually just the hills out here. Um, that's going to be the challenge, and it's going to be a challenge of, of a major marathon. Amber, could you imagine if Tiger Woods goes out there and competes this weekend and finds himself in the hunt on Sunday afternoon? Could you imagine what, what that would be like, what the crowd would be like, what the ratings on television would be like if that were to be the case? No, I, I mean, I know, I, quite... I know we threw that out there on the caller line to, to see what was the biggest comeback in sports history and whether or not Tiger being back at Augusta fits into that conversation. But, I mean, could you imagine what the conversations would be like on Sunday afternoon? I quite literally can't because – it's unimaginable that he would come back this close to that car accident and go from, I may never be able to walk again, doctors are considering amputating my left leg, to not just playing at Augusta, and not just playing in the Masters at Augusta, but actually being out there on Masters Sunday. It is it is impossible for me to imagine. I, I don't think it's going to happen, Chris, because I think it's too tall of a task, and frankly, too much to expect from Tiger Woods. But also, I didn't think we'd be having this conversation at all. So all of it is already unimaginable for me. We will get to your calls, by the way. I know there's a lot of great nominations on the call, on the Canty call-in line about the greatest comebacks in sports history. Yeah, I I would never go out here and doubt Tiger Woods. I I just, I, I can't do it. I don't feel like that's a good place to live, just knowing that there is that innate greatness that's in him. And I don't know if we'll ever get a glimpse of it again, but I'm certainly not going to doubt him because think about how far he's come over the course of the last year where he nearly had his leg amputated, where he could have lost his life in a car accident. Now we're talking about him being able to return to Augusta National and actually compete in the Masters. Coming up next, we're going to get to your calls on Tiger Woods' comeback at the Masters and where that fits in the biggest comebacks in sports history. You're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Canny, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, talking biggest comebacks in sports history. Of course, this inspired by the news that Tiger Woods is expected to play in the Masters down in Augusta National, teeing off on Thursday morning as a part of a pairing with Louis Oosthuizen and Joaquin Newman. They're expected to tee off at 1034. And then, of course, Amber, we did have the big comeback by the Kansas Jayhawks, down 15 at halftime to the Carolina Tar Heels, tied for the largest comeback in national championship game history, being down by 15 and rallying in the second half in order to win that game. So we want to hear from you guys on the Candy Call-In line, 888-ESPN, that's 888-729-3776. We're going to go out to Joshua in South Dakota. Joshua, you're on ESPN Radio. What up? Hey, pleasure to talk to you guys. Miss Wilson, Mr. CC, how you doing? Doing pretty good, good doing pretty good. What's the, what's the greatest comeback in sports history? What you got? 
Uh, before I get to that, I just got to say, uh, what's the worst and most dangerous animal in, in on the planet? A wounded animal, tiger. You know, it would be so cool to see him win because he's a wounded tiger. And the ratings will go up, and I'm going to watch it just because I want to watch Tiger. But I tell you what, Alex Smith, come on, Chris Canty, what the heck? I watched the 30 for 30, or was it E60? The guy Project 11, yeah. The quarterback. Mm-hmm. He, he, got, he got gargantuan man trying to kill him every play. That guy came back. Did you see his leg in that, that, that documentary? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's, so I that's, gotta go. With, I gotta go with Alex Smith. I gotta go with Alex Smith. Oh. Joshua, that's a pretty good one, and here's why I will lean in that direction somewhat. It's because Alex Smith, after what happened to him in 2018, when JJ Watt snapped his leg in three, it, it just felt like his career was over. And then for him to go through the years-long process of rehabilitation and surgery after surgery and battling infection and all of those things to come back and play in the National Football League which is a collision sport, and knowing that you're a quarterback and everybody's trying to take your head off, to step in and lead your team to a 5-1 and one record in your starts and that team go on to win the division that year and get to the playoffs, that was a damn impressive comeback. And so I, I, won't, I won't discount what Alex Smith did, but I do think that what Tiger Woods has gone through is equally as impressive. We're talking about a car accident where he nearly lost his life Nearly had to have his leg amputated, and in a little over a year, having a chance to compete on the biggest stage that the sport has to offer, which is the Masters at Augusta National. It's damn impressive what Tiger Woods is doing. We have several people on the call-in line who were going to nominate Alex Smith, and I do think that that's a really, really good nomination in terms of comeback and really akin to what we're seeing here with Tiger because – I was thinking when I was talking, you know, when you and I were talking greatest comebacks of all time, I'm thinking like, you know, the New England Patriots coming back against the Falcons in the Super Bowl from 38, 28 down. You know, I'm thinking those sorts of events. I'm not thinking individual athletes. And yet what Alex Smith did coming back with that injury, and we all know the documentary and with those odds stacked against him. And frankly, in that sport, I mean, one could argue it's maybe even more impressive than whatever Tiger does here, because with football, with a contact sport, with one that requires that level of physical intensity, him being able to ever play that sport again was so remarkable. But that is a good comp here to what we're seeing with Tiger when we're talking about just getting out there and physically being able to ever compete again at your sport. Nevertheless, doing it effectively. A remarkable comeback for both of these guys. No doubt about it, but we also have to keep in perspective, Tiger Woods is 46 years old. When Alex Smith did that, you're talking about him being in his 30s. So Tiger well, yeah, Woods, but you're still a decade a decade, o- a decade older <laughs> than, than Alex Smith. So I think that, that actually matters. But you're right. The NFL, we, we understand the nature of the sport, but what the one thing I will say is I don't think we ever saw the highs from Alex Smith that we've seen from Tiger Woods in terms of where that player rates in terms of being an all-time great in that respective sport. And Tiger Woods, you know, it's a question of whether or not we were ever going to get a glimpse of the greatness that he was able to demonstrate in 2019 at the Masters ever again. I mean, let alone, let alone being able to walk again. He said after, in the aftermath of the accident, that he was just hoping to be able to walk again. He was just hoping to be able to play golf with his son Charlie again. It wasn't about competing in major championships again, yet 14 months later, here we are with him having that opportunity. So I, I just, I, I don't want to, 
you know, try to give one more credit than the other because it comes off as if you're trying to discount the adversity that the other one battled through. I would just say when it comes to Tiger Woods, this would be full circle for him nearly 25 years after he won his first championship at Augusta in 97. You're talking about him coming back and competing after a life-threatening injury that he suffered 14 months ago. To me, if he would be able to come back and compete and be in the hunt on Sunday, that would be one of the greatest comebacks in sports history. Let's go out to the call-in line and bring on Ralph in Indiana. Ralph, you're on ESPN Radio. What up? Hey, how's it going? Doing pretty good. What you got for us? So I think it's one that a lot of people kind of forget about because it happened in the early 90s. And because of how short his career was, a lot of people forget about him. But the greatest athlete, all-around athlete of all time, Bo Jackson, cracked the femoral head and had all the internal bleeding. Now, granted, it may not be as life-threatening as the accident that Tiger was in, but still life-threatening in its own respect. And he was able to come back and be one the only athlete in history to have a full hip replacement and then come back and compete in the MLB and in a professional sport with a – uh, fully replaced him. Yeah, that's a fair one, but I don't know if Bo Jackson was ever the same after that, and I don't think we, we he ever got to that same level. I, I don't know if that one quite fits, Amber. Uh, I don't know. I don't think that's a bad nomination because you are talking with Bo, another injury where you're thinking that he's never going to be able to compete in athletics period again. So I guess from that perspective, and and I tend to agree with that caller. I tend to agree with Ralph. I mean, I'm a huge Bo Jackson fan. I do think he's one of the greatest athletes of all time in the history of uh, multiple uh, games uh, because he was such an all-around athlete. So for that to happen to that guy and for him to be able to play any sport ever again, Obviously, a very impressive comeback. Well, you know what this, this this is just showing me with all of the callers chiming in is that football guys are tougher than any other athletes in any other professional sports. That's that's really what we're coming to the conclusion of, right? Well, Bo came back and played baseball. So does that count with it the does baseball? Count. It does count because he got hurt in football. So it does oh, count. Oh, okay. He got hurt so in football. You're still saying. You're so still he's still saying. a football player, right? Right, all right, all right. Okay, and I want, I want to chime in real quick, too, to give, uh, as I'm sitting here coming off a hip replacement myself, so give props to uh, Bo Jackson and coming back to play several years in Major League Baseball. Look, I'm complaining about having a sore thigh right now, and this dude was out here hitting home runs for the Angels and the White Sox, you know. So, so we to need Bo, to nominate though. Shannon Penn for one of the greatest comebacks in sports history, Absolutely. albeit sports radio. We're going to nominate Shannon Penn. One too. of the best comebacks, but we all know that one of the, one of the toughest people is Amber Wilson because she's a lawyer. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Well, coming up next, <laughs> we got the latest on DK Metcalf and his availability, whether or not the Seattle Seahawks are fielding trade offers for the superstar wide receiver. We'll have our own ESPN insider chime in on that. You're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Canny, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. A tiger is on the prowl down in Augusta. We'll get back to that. And, of course, your calls on the Candy call in line. Chime in at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. But right now, Amber, we got to go out to our ESPN NFL reporter, Diana Rossiti. Rossini and get the latest news and notes around the National Football League. And Diana, we appreciate a few moments of your time. We got to start it off with DK Metcalf and the grumblings around the National Football League 
that the Seattle Seahawks might be willing to part ways with him for the right price. Now, I know DK came out and refuted any kind of trade talks surrounding his future and potentially being moved from Seattle. But where are we in terms of NFL teams inquiring about DK and the Seahawks' willingness to engage in those trade talks? Yeah, hi, Chris. Hi, Amber. Yeah, it's a great question because there's definitely been a lot of smoke around that one. And, you know, the Seattle Seahawks have historically said they are not trading anyone, and we've seen it, right? We saw with Russell Wilson obviously being the biggest name and their biggest move, their biggest piece that we've seen this offseason. And it definitely makes you think once they move Russell Wilson, it looks like everyone's on the table, and it it seems that way. In terms of a trade happening at this point right now, I talked to some teams that I know are interested, including the New York Jets. We know that they are definitely in the market for a top receiver. For right now, there's there's a sense that Seattle's not dealing, that that, that they're not doing it at this moment. Um, You know, Seattle sources will continually tell me that that's not their plans either. And it's always with the notion of, or at least the wording of, for now. So I think right now, uh, I'm not sure if DK Metcalf is going to get moved at this point. But I don't think it's one of those situations where I would feel very comfortable with you right now, Chris, saying this isn't going to happen the way I would feel like, let's say, A.J. Brown, right? The Tennessee Titans have been very strong about telling the world A.J. Brown is a Titan and they want to keep it that way. Uh, This is a team that never talks about any specific player past just they're part of the team. And they were pretty passionate down at the owner's meeting last week, both their head coach Mike Rabel and GM John Robinson about keeping A.J. Brown in Tennessee. So you're really seeing, I think, a little bit of a difference in terms of how teams are handling it. Um, So if I had to pick a receiver right now that would get traded, it would definitely be DK uh, over a guy like, let's say, A.J. And, Diana, just to follow up with that, I mean, DK Metcalf is not a first-round pick, so there is no fifth-year option. He's going into a contract season. So is it fair to assume that if the Seahawks don't move him this offseason, that we'd be talking about a contract extension before the regular season? It's, it, that was actually one of my questions today for them, of like, well, when is this deal going to get done? Uh, because it, it, it's going to need to be. Um, and, you know, not a lot of clear answers on that yet. So, look, I – we, we hear these type of stories for a reason and, and very rarely does it just go away and nothing happens. This seems like something that could happen potentially. It's just, I think it's going to have to be for the right price, the right situation. You know, they'll continually tell you that Drew Locke's their guy. They think he's going to be uh, kind of a new version <laughs> in the Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and, you know, all due respect to Drew Locke, you know, like let's see what he can do in Seattle. But I think we all, know what's happening here and that Seattle's rebuilding and and perhaps maybe gathering a few pieces would make sense, especially in a draft that we know is going to be uh, very wide receiver heavy in terms of talent. I'm not sure that Chris Canty just gave Drew Locke his all due respect uh, with that <laughs> laughter there. <laughs> Diana. So it I caught me off guard a little because it was so genuine, Chris. I was like, oh, wow, you really laugh. But I know I know why you laugh because I felt the same way when I was reporting uh, right after the Russell Wilson trade when Seattle was telling me they felt really good about this because of Drew Locke. And I'm like, did I miss something? You know, I I remember going back and 
just trying to see some of Drew's stats and making a couple other calls around the league about me. Maybe my perception of him was, was different than um, the, the rest of the league. You know, I didn't really get to cover a lot of Denver games this year. Maybe that's what it was. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think Seattle just wanted to sell that as this is how we're going to get through the year. <laughs> it does seem like a rebuild, Dan, and I'm surprised that a 70-year-old coach, frankly, would want to go through that and Pete Carroll. But let's move on because there are other free agents out there floating around that have yet to find homes. Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, he reportedly visited the Saints. I think he tweeted out today, look me in my eyes, I won't fail you. Unpack this all for me, Diana Rossini, because <laughs> with Honey Badger, I mean, with all of his tweets, you never know with that guy. Where is he going? Oh, he keeps it interesting, right? Um, mm-hmm. So what, what a what a homecoming of sorts it would be for him. You know, I think it was Tyron Matthew Day at LSU recently. Um, and I feel like this is one of those free agents that when you see that he's visiting, you don't go, no way. Like, it kind of makes a lot of sense for, for a lot of different reasons. And, and there's an actual need there in New Orleans for a player like him. Um, so I'd like to see where this goes for now. The last time I spoke to New Orleans was little after one o'clock our, uh, Eastern time. Um, I was told that this was pretty informal. It was just a visit and no deal was going to get done um, t- today. So look, of course it could change, but um, you know, obviously both sides are interested in Tyron Matthews um, market. Isn't as robust as I was expecting it to be when I heard the chiefs are going to move on from him, but um, this could be a place where he could land and, and he could probably get paid and maybe even finish up there. Diana, speaking of the Saints, they're in the news the last 24 hours because they made the deal with the Philadelphia Eagles and acquiring another first-round draft pick and moving up in the draft slightly. And then, of course, the Eagles picking up a 2023 first-round draft pick as well as draft picks in 2024. What do you make of the move for both sides for both teams? Uh, I'll start with Philly. You know, Chris, you look at what Philly has, three first-round draft picks. You know that's four years guaranteed money, right? That's always a hefty bill to pay. Um, you know, for an organization. And I, I do think Howie is giving, um, you know, his quarterback essentially one more year here to say almost like a prove it season for him. So I look at it. I don't know this, but it sounds like I talked to Howie about this, but I, I sense that they made this trade to make sure next year they've got a first round draft pick. They also have a second round draft pick next year, um, you know, and they'll, they'll have the two for this year to, to, you know, get him weapons or figure out what, what they want to do with that. Um but I think that was, hey, we may be in the market for a quarterback next year. Let's let, let's be careful here. And also on top of the fact of what I pointed out about the guaranteed money for the next four years, you know, that gives them a little relief right now. As for the Saints, I think that's the interesting one. Because the people I was talking to today, I, I was getting almost like options, meaning one person I spoke to said, you know, there's always that opportunity or that chance that we could package these and move up for a quarterback, which – Look, it could happen. That means that they've got someone specific in mind, one guy. Um, that could be it, you know. And then, you know, in, as soon as the trade happened yesterday, talking to some people, it was pointed out to me, look, they, they think they can contend in the NFC this year. They just need a few pieces. And now they could get two legit ones. And, you know, once again, this team will have to do some weird Olympic hurdles or some some gymnastics here on dealing with their money because they've always, always just have these salary issues. But – um, I think this gives them a little relief, or at least will help them a bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I think with them making this move tells me they've got a plan here, 
Um, and I don't, I don't think it's to appease Sean Payton and try to lure him back. I don't sense that. I think they're, tr- they're, they're trying to win this year. All right, Diana. Well, we appreciate a few minutes of your time, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Never stops, guys, right? I feel like every time we're on, there's always stuff to talk about. We're never just pulling pulling at anything in the sky. I can tell you that. No doubt about it. The NFL has kept us busy with the news cycle that they've been rolling out this offseason. That's what makes it the best reality show in all of sports entertainment. That is ESPN NFL reporter Diana Rossini giving us a few minutes of her time. Coming up next, how does the Saints and the Eagles trade impact Jalen Hurts and his future in Philly. Amber Wilson and I will chime in on that. You're listening to ESPN Radio back after this. ESPN Radio. Chris Kenny on ESPN Radio and E+. And Amber, we got news today that the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, is meeting with the New Orleans Saints. Now, he's in town visiting some family members, and I guess he decided to rope in a visit to the Saints facility in Metairie, Louisiana, and it sounds like there's mutual interest between the two te- the two parties. So I got to ask you this question. Does Tyron Matthews seem like a good fit with what the Saints have going on on the defensive side of the ball? I guess so. I think he seems like a good fit, too, because of the market, right? And and you heard Diana Rossini just allude to it when she was on with us as well, that it makes a lot of sense because it's the story of New Orleans, and obviously he is a breakout star from LSU, so he has a relationship with that community, which is why he was there to begin with. So from that perspective, it does make a lot of sense. I've been surprised that the market hasn't been that robust for Tyron Matthew. I, I've been really surprised by that, and for a while I've been thinking – that maybe he would end up going to the Steelers, getting paired with Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, that giving them that rangy safety pairing out there in Pittsburgh. But I do think that maybe this makes even more sense because he's such a draw down there in New Orleans from his time at LSU. No doubt about it. And here's the thing that I love about it. The Saints lost Marcus Williams in free agency. He signed with the Baltimore Ravens. So being able to bring in another safety that's on the right side of 30 a guy that has a lot of experience in this league that has leadership traits that you probably need now that you're no longer going to have Sean Payton roaming the sidelines. I love the idea of being able to add him to the defensive side of the ball because we got to face it, Amber, even though Drew Brees and people that are around the Saints organization might be excited about what Jameis Winston is bringing to the table, there's still a relative unknown with Jameis, and he's coming off of reconstructive knee surgery. The defense is going to have to be the identity of that team. Heck, their head coach was the defensive coordinator who got elevated, Dennis Allen. So it seems like that's what's going to have to win the day for the Saints. That's going to have to be their path to victory more Sundays than not. And being able to add a guy like Tyron Matthew just gives that side of the ball the versatility that it's going to take in order to show opposing offenses a lot of different looks and to keep them off balance. So I'm all about bringing in a Swiss Army knife kind of guy like Tyron Matthew, a guy that can play over the slot. He can play in the deep middle of the field. He can play off the hash and cover two. There isn't anything that Tyron Matthew can't do at the safety position that's required in today's NFL. So I like them bringing in that piece from what it it does from an X's and O's standpoint, but also what it does for that locker room. So They were up against it salary cap-wise, but they're not now. They can afford Yeah, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. But coming up next... We'll talk about the Golden State Warriors and their threat in the West. ESPN Radio.
Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. So you might want to get over to Progressive and take a look. Just saying. Uh, t- get at us on the Candy call in line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And Amber, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, but we got to revisit the huge trade that the Philadelphia Eagles made with the New Orleans Saints, giving up one of their first-round draft picks in 2022, this April, and giving that to the New Orleans Saints in exchange for a bevy of draft picks, including a first-round pick in 2023. And so from the Eagles' perspective, it feels like it's a little bit of a hedge against what Jalen Hurts could be or won't be in 2022. If Jalen Hurts proves not to be the franchise quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, then they have the ammunition to go after a quarterback with multiple first-round draft picks in 2023. In a draft class, from a quarterback standpoint, that should be a lot better than the one that we're currently looking at this April. Yeah, the Eagles still have the opportunity to pick twice here in the first round, but now they have the opportunity to address that to address that Jalen Hurts situation if they need to in 2023. So I really like this from the Eagles' side of things because that's what you have to do when you have a guy at the helm who might be the guy, but he might not be the guy. And I think Jalen Hurts did just enough this past season to get another opportunity, but he didn't do enough to convince us whether he's the quarterback of the future for Philadelphia. So now Philadelphia has a backup plan if, in fact, he doesn't turn out to be the quarterback of the future. And, Chris, if he does, I mean, they're still going to be able to use that first-round pick in 2023 now to build further around Jalen Hurts. So for me, this doesn't seem like at all any sort of loss for the Eagles in pushing that third first-rounder back a season. In fact, I think that it makes all the sense. Now, I know the Saints paid a little bit of a premium, it seems like, here to get next year's first-rounder this year. They're obviously trying to address some things from their perspective in the immediacy. But for Philadelphia, they're buying themselves some time at that quarterback position, and now they have an insurance policy if he doesn't work out. No doubt about it. And Jalen Hurts, like you said, had earned the right to be their starting quarterback in 2022. I don't think Howie Roseman was going to do anything aggressive in this year's draft to move up and get a quarterback because a lot of these quarterbacks have huge question marks in terms of their readiness to step in and run an NFL offense. Um, So I understand it from the Eagles' perspective. I would just say this, when it comes to Jalen Hurts, the things that he has to improve on, his accuracy first and foremost, and then being able to read the defense in the the intermediate and deeper zones. I think those are the things that he has to improve on, understanding the pre-snap reads, and those are the the developmental aspects that the Eagles are going to judge him on. Like if this guy can progress, if he can show that upward trajectory – then I think he can talk this organization into using those draft picks in 2023 to surround him and continue to improve the supporting cast. But I, I, I would say this, as far as you know, his prospects, a lot is riding on this for Jalen Hurts. The Philadelphia Eagles have to make a decision about his football future after this season because we've talked about it before. Jalen Hurts is not a first Jalen Hurts is a second-round pick. There is no fifth-year option. So going into his third season, you want to try to make a determination about him so you can figure out whether or not you need to give him a contract extension Mm -hmm. or 
if you need to be in the market for a quarterback in next year's NFL draft. Yeah, this means everything this season because at the end of the season, you're either going to be paying Jalen Hurts or you're going to be punting on him completely and drafting another quarterback or I guess trading those multiple first rounders for another quarterback if that opportunity presents itself as well. But, you know, you heard all the right things from Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Eagles at the owners meeting in Palm Beach a week ago where he said they're committed to Hurts and he's incredibly dedicated to the Eagles. He's an excellent leader of men who knows, you know, who knows what the future holds, though, was the last comment there from the Eagles owner. And I think we all know what the future holds. It's either Jalen Hurts plays really, really well this season and he gets paid at the end of the season and he is the quarterback of the future for the Philadelphia Eagles or he doesn't and he's not. There's no in between. There's no guessing because like you said, he's not up for that fifth year option. He's either going to be the guy or he's not going to be the guy and they're going to have the answer after this season. Well, Amber, let me ask you this question. How much does the team success factor into what the organization does with Jalen Hurts? Because say he has a middling season, but the team wins the division and is in back in the playoffs. You're talking about consecutive years in the playoffs in his first two years as a starter. Is that enough for Jalen Hurts to get the vote of confidence from the Eagles? I don't think it is. I think he actually has to show that he's more than just a game manager. I think he actually has to go out there and show something. I'm not saying he has to go out there and win a Super Bowl or that his numbers have to be the best in the league by any means, but I do think that you have to feel like the Eagles are winning in part because of Jalen Hurts and not in spite of Jalen Hurts for them to want to extend him because we're talking about them having to pony up and actually pay Jalen Hurts after 2022, and we know what that quarterback market looks like. It's an ugly one. So they've got an insurance plan on the backside. I think he's got to do more than just be a part of the winning. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I I think he's got to definitively show that he's the second best quarterback in that division. And you're talking about Carson Wentz and Daniel Jones, you know, you know, being beneath him. Like he's got to be a force multiplier and it has to do with more than just him using his legs. He's got to show it with his arm in order to get the Eagles to commit what it's going to take because the reality of the quarter market market, like you said, Amber, it's going to be in the high 30s, maybe even low 40s on average annual value. That's a big commitment for a franchise to make for a guy that they're still uncertain about whether or not he can win you games with his arm. And we talked about the difference in wins and losses in the NFL being those handful of throws that the quarterback is going to make throughout the course of a game. They need to know that Jalen Hurts can consistently make those throws, and I think they'll go out and get him the weapons in order to do that this offseason. He's got Devontae Smith. He's got Dallas Goddard. He's got two pretty good targets, but they'll go out and get him some more weapons. They'll fortify that defense, and then there'll be no excuse as to why Jalen Hurts can't get it done. Yeah, and it won't be unheard of if he has to if he's required to be the second-best quarterback in that division. That's very, very doable and manageable. Coming up next, we got Draymond Green and the state of the Golden State Warriors in their quest to win the West.